Hello, everybody. I'm back, and a whole month hasn't gone by. <laughs> Yay! Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to believe that that's a trend, but I know myself too well, and it's not. But I've got a lot of things swirling around in my head, and I do have things I want to put out here on the podcast, uh, if for no other reason than to document and get it out of my head um, and onto paper. So, before we get into the next topic of conversation though, I thought I would round off this last conversation with a list. The The most feedback I have ever received from an episode was when I uh, gave you a list and um, I got some, some really great, fe- people really appreciated that and I appreciate that people appreciate things. <laughs> so I'm going to toss out a new one for y'all. And, and what I love about kind of the distillation of my um, my thoughts into lists is that it requires me to boil down and concisely articulate my thoughts. And, and that's really the biggest thing of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. And it, it, this podcast really is a selfish endeavor. Endeavor? And <laughs> endeavor. <laughs> I can talk, yes. Um, it, it, it's just one tool that I am employing to distill my ideas into their most clearest, most practical form. Um, so I am so glad that some of you are along for the ride here, <laughs> because what whatever this all turns into at some point, I I don't know exactly yet. Um, but but this is a this is a part of it. It's a part of my journey, and I'm so thrilled that some of you are are taking taking it along with me. Uh, so without further ado, uh, my list, and this is a list that I've compiled around relationships and. Uh, you know, relationships where, where we find ourselves attracted to someone else beyond the friendship level. A while back, I started trying to figure out what what would I tell my kids about attraction and sex and relationships as they get older. And I've I've never been one to personally stick with rules for rules' sake. I, I've always uh, had this this need for rules to make sense and and sense in the short term sense in the long term and really for the benefit of all the people involved in the rules keeping and following and and these are really challenging standards to place on any any rules i might communicate um around attraction and sex and the complexities of building a mutual relationship so these 10 Ideas. These these are guidelines, things to consider, to ponder, to discuss. Um, you might consider them tools as we move in the direction of sharing experiences with a person with whom we find we are drawn, um, or to whom we find we are drawn. You know, my my brain just picks up these silly little grammatical things. I I have to fix them as I go, um, and I, I want to just explore the potential, um, how would we use these, this list, right, to, to, to see if a relationship has the potential of being a good fit, right, for whatever type of relationship we want, whatever that might look like. So, so this list is in order of developmental stages of an attraction potential relationship. So here we go. We, number one, the crush. This is something I've actually told my kids, and I, I tell it to myself. This I, I believe this. I think this is absolutely true. A crush tells us a lot more about ourselves than it will ever do. 
in telling us about somebody else because we see ourselves through the lens of who we are and how we see or want to see our own selves. There's a whole world of information about the other person that exists beyond our ability to view them. We get to know the other person better by moving beyond what we initially observe. We get to know ourselves better by understanding what we initially observe, why we observe these things, why they caught our attention, and why these things are attractive to us. Right? And I, I, I grew up with this idea that a crush is a big deal. You've got to act on this crush. You've got to act on this feeling. And I, I want my kids and I want myself to know that, you know, you could you could be the most happily married person in the world and this new person starts working with you or you see this person speaking at a conference or whatever and you have all these feelings and these attractions <laughs> that's okay crushes happen and and they're they're definitely going to reveal more to us about ourselves than they will ever reveal to us about the other person because all we're seeing is the lens that we're looking through. So that's number one. That's the crush. Number two, dates. Oh, I once said to my uh, my 14-year-old, why do you have to call things a date? Why do you have to call things boyfriend, girlfriend? You've got a crush on this person and maybe this person has a crush on you. Why can't you go out for ice cream as friends? Why do you have to call it something and put this pressure on it? I think dates put pressure on things. And I'm not saying that dates are a bad thing. I think one-on-one dates are a great tool, but they are only one tool in a toolbox. And again, I think dates, one-on-one dates, help us get to know more about ourselves than we get to know about the other person. I mean, they're good for, for pressing into our own insecurities and awkwardness, right? They're, they're good for working out our question-asking muscles and for observing how the other person functions under the same conditions. And a little hint for us all, some of us are really adept at this kind of thing and others of us far less so, <laughs> right? We may be able to get to know how someone sees themselves by talking over um, certain conversations over over a meal or over coffee, right? And it's a good space for us to begin to articulate how we see ourselves and how we want to see ourselves. But we need to add a variety of avenues into our get to know self and others toolkit over a long period of time. We need to be able to experience the other person and our response to them in a, in a lot of different physical and emotional settings. We, we need to see how, how are we individually around each other before we can ever think to develop a, a with each other potential, right? How, how do we handle when we're hungry or irritated or disappointed or, or overwhelmed? How, how do we each respond to the other's needs and, and our other the other's comfort levels and, and the other's requests for whatever, right? Going on a one-to-one date is not going to answer all of that. It might open the door. So keep it in perspective. That's number two. Number three, balance. <laughs> I remember, um, yeah, there's so many things that I've, I've told my kids. Um, 
but when I made this list, I was processing, you know, how I would talk to my kids about relationships and, and wanting them to have some tools um, to know how to be wise and discerning in a situation. And when we're young, right? So I'm talking to my kids with these, with this list here. And when we're young, one of our most difficult challenges is knowing what balance looks like and, and how to level out when things are, are out of whack. And, and I, now these are not like, I didn't come up with these categories, but I, I, I think there are five basic categories of how we experience, um, ourselves in relationship and how, uh, we kind of express ourselves into the world. And, and you might be looking for another type of relationship. That's fine. If you want one of these categories to be weighed differently. <clears throat> but as I was thinking about how, how I would talk to my kids, I was thinking, you know, if we are looking for, you know, a long-term mutual relationship, which I think most people when they're starting out, that's what we're thinking about. That's that's what we're thinking about. We, we might not have that all the time. And we might have to navigate different kinds of relationships to learn what we want and how we operate. But I think for the most part, most people are looking ahead for that long term. And I think in doing that, especially at the beginning stages of a relationship, to keep these five categories in balance where they're each developing at um, a similar pace is kind of wise. It's a wise thing to do. So if one is developing at a much higher pace, uh, much faster pace, much stronger intensity, there's something else that you can invest in another category um, to kind of balance that out. So here, here's the categories, intellectual, emotional, the physical, sexual, spiritual, and then the social recreational. Right. So if we are really super like, whoa, that person is like, oh, got my fans flamed over here. Right. Um, or f- flames fanned. <laughs> I think I could <laughs> say that backwards. Um, right. And we and we get really physical very quickly. We can say, OK, let's 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 pace that back a little bit and let's find out if we've got anything intellectually in common. Let's have some conversations. Let's go to a seminar together or let's read a book or whatever, or even just ask questions, right? Whatever that is, here are some other things that we can focus on to kind of keep things more in balance because otherwise we're not really getting to know the fullness of a person or the fullness of how we'll respond. So that's number three the categories of balance. Number four is be curious in all things. Be curious. Curiosity is the antidote to assumption. And we all bring in assumptions. Our assumptions, it's our brains work quickly, right? We see something, we assess it. And we build in all these assumptions based on our past experiences. But curiosity, if we ask questions, we are going to be able to get beyond our own assumptions and find out about the other person. And there are always going to be certain things that we we are just genuinely curious in, but there's also going to be things that we're going to find unattractive about the other person. Be curious about that, right? The other person, maybe they abruptly end texts or phone calls. Maybe maybe they don't respond for a period of time. And that it's like, that's so unreasonable. Like a reasonable person would would do this or this. That is an assumption, right? So if there's something that comes up, ask about it, right? Maybe that person had a previous experience with somebody that led them to think that that was the best way, or maybe they just don't even know that there's another option. 
right? Or maybe, 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 right? Anytime you say, well, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. Or whenever we say things like, well, a reasonable person would do this, there's assumptions going on in there. So just back up a little bit, right? Remember, remember, you're getting to know a person. Be interested in what makes them tick. Why do they like certain things? Or why do they wear certain things? Or why do they choose to do certain things certain ways? Who knows? Maybe there's some story back there that you'd never have imagined. Or, or maybe your worst fear, right? Maybe your worst assumption is true. Or maybe the thing itself isn't the issue, but the way the person responds to your question becomes the issue, right? Maybe they are defensive or evasive. Well, then be curious about that too. Because that brings us to number five, limits. Know your limits. Respect the limits of the other person. Expect your relationship to bump up against a variety of limits. Some of these limits you'll be able to be able to overcome. Some of them you'll need to figure out if you can allow or figure out if it's time to part ways, right? Limits can be frustrating and disappointing. They can wake us up from the euphoria we feel in the early stages of a new relationship. Limits are a product of reality. To ignore them is to not live in reality and to not be healthy in relationship with ourselves or with the other. Limits remind us that we are an individual. We can experience moments of with someone else, and we can work to create an us that fits for both individuals, that both people can identify with and find comfort in. Even so, we never stop being an individual. There are always, there's always, always, always going to be a tinge of lonely in that. But this is also the seat of freedom. This this is what allows our yes to be yes and our no to be no. There is no opportunity to truly love without limits because there is no space to choose. Limits are hard and, and limits, they're, they're what allow us to honor our own self and to honor the other, and they are allow they are they are what allow us to create a secure bond that we can develop with other people. So limits kind of suck. They do. They're hard. They're they're a harsh dose of reality sometimes. But they're they're good. And they're what allow for the relationship to really be a true relationship. Which brings us to number six, because limits are going to stir up conflict, conflict, make conflict your friend. I am not talking about fighting here, though some people are able to have very productive communication (laughs) with a bit more heat than others. So know yourself, right? But conflict is the navigation of difference. That's all it is, right? The opposite of conflict is it's, it's twofold. It can either be um, to passively allow, right, where one person kind of eats the difference and chooses to change themselves, right? Or it can be to attack where one person demands that the other fix the difference by changing themselves, right? Curiosity is kind of a soft way to navigate difference, okay? Um, communicating limits 
confronting limits, talking about limits, that's, that's a, a, a harsher uh, means of navigating and not harsher in a bad way, but just it's, 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 it's a little more hard edged. Um, you feel it a little bit more uh, abruptly, <laughs> a little bit, whew, it feels, I would say warmer and, 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 and colder in a sense, but they're both really healthy ways right? Whether you're being curious or whether you are communicating a limit or exploring a limit um, or discussing the limit that, that you see in the other person that they've kind of established that you're like, whoa, where'd that come from, right? Those are great tools for, um, for navigating difference, right? But they're healthy. They're good. They're good to do that. Um, because here's, here's the deal. If, if conflict conversations don't happen, People can say they're in a relationship, right? They can be around each other, but they've determined at the level of the unresolved conflict how close they can be with each other. The level of trust and sharing cannot move past the point of the undiscussed difference, right? The level of exposure and acceptance can't go past that point either. Allowing allowing a behavior and accepting a person are two very different things. There is no acceptance in allowing without conflict. That's called denial, and it leads to shame and hiding. Conflict is what helps us come out of hiding. Conflict is not the enemy, far from it. And this is one of those lessons I wish I had learned earlier in life. I used to be terrified of conflict. I still don't like it. Well, to think about that. I do sometimes. <laughs> I do. I will say this. I appreciate it um, because I do think there's very healthy ways to go about conflict, but it is hard confronting things and, and, and risking that rejection or that defensiveness. Um, but I think those things also point to the, the actual reality health of a relationship and a connection. So let's move on to number seven, investing and reinvesting. Always be aware of where you are investing your energy, your emotions, and your interests. This can get really out of balance when there is suddenly a new source of energy, right? We're like, oh, this person's so cute. Oh, I can't wait to be around this person, right? We have all this new energy and we feel compelled oftentimes to reinvest the energy that's been stirred up back into the source of the energy. And we talked about this when we discussed sexual energy, right? Just because we are aroused by someone doesn't mean we need to act toward them with our sexual energy, right? Neither do we need to reinvest all of our emotional or intellectual or spiritual or social energy back into whatever is stirring it up in us. The energy doesn't belong to anyone but us, right? Perhaps there are, perhaps there are other relationships that are, that are important to us, right? That, that are in a drier season. Maybe there's a friend who, who's just needy right now. They're not really pouring any energy into us, it's kind of more of a, ooh, that really, right? We have to know our limits in that and know when we're going to be tapped out and not able to really be fully present. But if we're getting this new energy source, guess what? We've got an extended amount of time and, and, uh, and resource to be present with that person because we've got this new source of energy that we can use there, right? We, we can use um, energy to 
the energy that's stirred up by an attraction to invest in, in maybe a career that isn't going all the places we ever thought or or maybe the energy to reinvent that that career do a little jump start the energy that's created by attraction it's it's lovely and it's potent and there's some wisdom in reinvesting part of that energy back in to the relationship if we're seeking a mutual ongoing relationship but we also want to be wise we don't want to overinvest just because the energy came from there the energy came from inside of us. It's our energy, okay? So we have to be wise. It's okay to use that energy in other spaces in our life. The energy is ours to decide where to best invest for the life we choose to live, right? Which kind of brings us to number eight. Other relationships, have them, cultivate and tend them, care for them, keep up with them. Male friendships, female friendships, friendships where you go places and do things, friendships where you talk about all the things, friendships that let you cry about all the things, friendships with people who need you more than you need them, friendships where you need them more than they need you. And always, always the relationship you have with yourself, never set that on the back burner, right? That's that's the one that we cultivate and tend in the midst of all the others. It's what determines the value um, that others will be in our lives. And, and it determines the value that we have to offer others. So cultivate those relationships. Don't push them aside because there's this new focus of energy. Okay, so seven and eight kind of go together. But oh, but there's this person and they're so exciting and we've got this sexual energy and what do we do with it? So number nine, sexual activity. (laughs) This is what I consider my barometer of sexual readiness. Now, I am not going to say this is what to do. This is what not to do. This is when to, I I don't know about any of that stuff. Um, But I wanted to boil down Given some of the mistakes I've made in my life, some of the um, visions I have for what kind of relationship I would like to have in my life, how would I boil down all of that and, and pass on some kind of wisdom tool for my kids? And it kind of boiled down into this. If either party is unable or unwilling to discuss openly without giggling, <laughs> what they want to do, what they intend to do, or anything that they have recently done in relationship in relation to the other person, right? If you're not willing or able to have an open, mature discussion around what just happened or what you want to happen, then the relationship is not yet ready to contain that activity in a healthy way. Maybe it will be over time, but in this moment right now, if that can't happen, the relationship isn't ready. Number 10, no guarantees. This is the suckiest, right? (laughs) But this is why all of the list is important because there are no guarantees and this is life, right? So what do we do? We show up every day. We have fun, we learn about ourselves, we learn about the other person, we take risks, we ask questions, we lean in, we take our time. Just because there are no guarantees does not mean that there's urgency. There's also no urgency, 
right? Every experience, every interaction, every relationship is an opportunity for each of us to see ourselves more completely, to see others more clearly, to be able to accept that we are accepted, and then to extend that acceptance to others, to live more and more naked and unashamed, exposed and accepted as we become more fully who we already are, who we have always been. So that is my list for attraction type relationships. And we will chat again soon. So until then, go and be more fully you. Take care.